0: fans and welcome to the wrestle talk podcast for the next two hours we will bring you the latest pro wrestling news
1: in-depth analysis of all your favorite promotions from across the globe and much much more we will also bring you exclusive interviews with the greatest professional wrestling personalities on the local, national, and international levels. If you want to follow the Wrestle Talk Podcast, check us out online at www.wrestletalkpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And now, it's time... For the reigning, defending, undisputed leader in pro wrestling podcast, the Wrestle Talk Podcast. Wrestling fans, welcome into episode 407 of the world famous Wrestle Talk Podcast. Coming to you live from the St. Louis area, KC, and the West Virginia area. Thank you for joining us tonight. Make sure that you definitely like and uh, share this broadcast, as we will be broadcasting all night long. My name is the one and only Road Dog DJ, Big Sexy, Chris Rodell. You know I have a co-host tonight, so I'm going to bring in the one and only, ladies and gentlemen, from the I-70 Sports Media Team and the Roundabout Sports Podcast, Mr. Jeremy Carp. Carp. Thank what's you, up, thank you. What is up, up big? Sexy. How are you? Looking fabulous as always. Oh, you are lo- you are looking good too, man. How's everything been going? Family? Been Things going?
2: have been great. Life has definitely uh, gotten much better, and I'm just thankful to be here. And most importantly, thankful to be here alongside you. I mean, the voice of Dynamo Pro, and definitely somebody I'm always honored to be alongside for co-hosting the Wrestle Talk podcast.
1: I mean, hey, we we did it on roundabout a couple about a month and a half ago, yes, or so. We have we, can't I, wait to do it again. I think we might need to do a blues pre pre-show pre show uh, or you know preview. Oh, absolutely, preview. absolutely. yeah. So Out of doubt, I, you probably should do one with Sonny and Renee for the Kansas City Chiefs as well. So I mean, I uh, seven we, money and the night owl get them in on this. Yeah, so we got Woo. two great we got two great guests tonight. Uh, the Bill Bain who is a uh, become a regular backstage regular at the WWE Russell's all over. He's been around for a while. And uh, we got uh esteemed author, author Vincent Vinny, Vinny, Barry on tonight. He's going to talk about his new book, Russellville. So, I mean, I know you're, I know you're ready. I know you're ready for that.
2: Uh, oh, I'm definitely ready. Um, I know I've, uh, read about Lance Von Eric, the fascinating story of the non Von Eric of that (laughs) Barry took out in the past. So I'm looking forward to his uh, next work about uh, on Wrestleville.
1: I I, I kind of want to go back and talk about the whole Lance Von Eric thing because that to me is interesting because that the history of the business is uh, interesting to me. And I want to know what he's found out how that all really did come about. If there's like some like secret plan or something that, that came about. So, um, you know, Carp, we wouldn't be anywhere where we would be here at the Wrestle Talk Podcast if it wasn't for our great sponsors. So, uh, do you want to go ahead and take care of this first? Uh, I'm going to throw them up here on the air, on the on the screen. Oh, area.
2: absolutely! We got to thank Royal Mills Transportation, Duane Mills. We got to thank Raft Buns Engraving. I mean, a Wrestle Talk Podcast mug is just twenty dollars, and Hardcore Hoss, we're thinking about you. It's always on there, and they're always amazing. Nobleman's Barber Lounge in Casey, Missouri you got to ask for Pete the Barber. He's the go-to guy for it all. Kincaid Arcade at the Oak Park Mall. And Everything Combat with Pat Militech and Jeffrey Wilson. Interstate 70 Sports Media, yours truly, um, Jeremy Carp, But along with the amazing team, Adam Frex, James Knox, Eileen Holder, everybody. And, of course, the world premier fantasy wrestling group, the FWWC.
1: Oh, I mean, where would we be without our sponsors, Cart? I mean, we would not
2: be at the point we are at if it wouldn't be for these sponsors. Because they just they put their faith in us, and we just work our hardest to reciprocate that.
1: And 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 I know you got a great team over there at the i seventy Sports Media. You got anything good coming up on Roundabout Sports here in the next couple of weeks? Um,
2: well, we are working on getting Sadie Blaze on on a future episode of roundabout sports because i know he is an absolute whiz when it comes to baseball um you know people know him for wrestling but when it comes to baseball i mean he he goes to cooperstown every single year the deep history and the sabermetrics of of the sport and we are also looking at a lot of other surprise guests um but i'm just thankful james knox ever since the season two premiere has kicked off he's my new permanent co-host and it's just a great ride we're going with. Um, but also be sure to check out Cardinals Off the Cuff with Andy Cockrell, Talking Dynasty with Adam Frex. I mean, there's just so much great programming on I-70 Sports Media, and I'm just blessed to have the team I have. And, of course, to have you guys here at the WrestleTalk Podcast. You guys are my family as well.
1: So is the
2: Talking Dynasty,
1: is that like a fantasy like podcast or is it like
2: it's it runs a lot of it'll talk adam talks a lot of fantasy but he also just goes in depth on what's going on in the world of uh kansas city sports and he'll he kind of, much like roundabout sports he go he goes beyond the region but definitely for the KC market uh talking dynasty is a great way to go but you know
1: and, and, and i'll tell you with sadie if you if you get him talking about softball you probably won't get you you'll probably fill up two hours right there that's gonna
2: be a that might even be a two-parter episode if we're gonna get uh softball go well, he is a,
1: he's a hall he is legit a hall of famer for the uh in he the is softball a softball world.
2: hall of famer and you know well deserved of course but that's i definitely look forward to it and yeah, I know we've had great guests on the past. Former baseball pitcher Ray King. We've had Toyoka Jackson on. We've had the president of the Negro League Baseball Museum, Bob Kendrick, on. So I'm like I said, I'm just it, excited for the future. You'll, have to, you'll, the you'll have to
1: get you'll have to get some Battlehawks people on, maybe if you can. I mean, oh,
2: absolutely. I already know a um, few guys I can maybe get in contact with. So a lot of surprises in store.
1: Oh uh, well, well, you know what? It, it comes to that time of the week. We don't don't really have anyone to uh, introduce this like we normally do because Joe did this at first Haas then Haas took this over but uh we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the greatest country in the world so, Sweden n- no so if we we ask everyone if you're wearing any kind of hat where we ask that you please remove it as we honor the country with the singing ish of the national anthem. Oh, boy. Oh. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh. There goes the aneurysm.
2: This is about as pleasant as a hernia. Oh.
1: That's so... That's so... That is... I'd
2: rather get a prostate exam from Captain Hook.
1: Oh, that is so bad. It was almost good, Mike. Oh. Uh. Oh oh yeah that was awful so every time i'm not gonna lie every time every time we every time i'm on this podcast um and they do that i'm like even though you're not on the podcast i'm like i bet you Carps had another aneurysm because he probably just feel he could probably just feel it happening when when it when, when it when it, it happens so, you know how uh,
2: i mean and here's a star wars reference for you when obi-wan felt the force like with um, Alderan getting blown up and all the millions. Yeah, that's basically me hurting when I hear Roseanne singing the national anthem. That—that's the type of pain I experience. Feel bad for every single person ever has to listen to that crap version. So. Oh God.
1: So, so I guess we should. Can we? Should we just move on and uh and and go and get? Let's. You want to get into the meat and potatoes of this whole this whole show and everything that's happening in the world of professional wrestling? Are you are you ready? Yes. Are you? Are, are you I am uh, so ready. I mean, I could replay the the, the no. no 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 no
2: no 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 no. I, no, I mean,
1: no. I have it right. I have it right here. I,
2: but. I, I'm sure you do. Um, I would appreciate <laughs> it greatly. I mean, if you just don't. And you know, I'll just enjoy my IBC cream soda while you get us started because um,
1: right. I, I although guess...
2: listening to that national anthem did almost make me want to break out a beer.
1: <laughs> I mean it's it's America, baby. America. America. All right, we're gonna go ahead and jump right into it because you know what? We got we got a lot, we kinda got a lot to talk about. There's there's been a lot happening. Yeah. I mean I mean, it's not like nothing's happened the last few weeks in the world of professional wrestling. So, let's go ahead and get in. Let's hook up with DJ Money with a uh, high spots.
0: My check, my check. Yeah. All right, all right. Wrestle Talk Podcast. DJ Money. Yeah. Let's go. Welcome to High Spots, where we pop
2: news like Claire shots. We talk shop, coming through the screens of the laptop. And non stop, like a runner on the of black blacktop. We hit hard, like shot, can shots and the back cross. block like so a belly flop. Now that's hard, we up to steam while they stay
0: slow. Wrestle Talk podcast, now they know we about to start the show, uh.
2: Why does that guy sound familiar? I
1: don't, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Uh big shout out to uh, our broadcast partner, uh, Big Hoss. Uh, he couldn't make it here tonight because um, he's doing one of the absolute worst things he could ever do in his entire life. He's moving, and and he, Carp, he, you you under you understand that? Moving I one hundred
2: percent understand that
1: moving is probably the worst thing ever that we could ever. Uh, Ever Have do ever, ever do in our life, and um, I've only planned on moving one more time in my life, and that's maybe to a house. But uh,
2: see, but that's yeah. what I can't wait till the day whenever that day comes. And also, you know, you put up Hoss's comment. Let me tell you something, folks. Hoss is literally the backbone of this entire operation.
1: He's like the glue. He like, he's he's, the glue. He does, he does everything for us. He does a little bit of everything for us. And
2: we, I mean, the rest of podcast may have been around before Haas joined, but it has gone up so much because of him. Like he is literally family and we're always so proud and honored to have him alongside us. So, we're definitely missing you this week, but we know you'll be back soon, Ha. Huh? So, big shout out to you, buddy.
1: Yes, 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 yes. So, so uh, let's get into some of those uh, hot, high spots. Uh, you sent a couple of questions. I had a couple of questions. I did. Y- you know, I mean, I'm just gonna throw one randomly. I'm gonna talk about something that may or may not happen tomorrow on uh, AEW because AEW is starting their has started their trios tournament, which okay. I don't I don't know exactly how you feel about adding another belt to AEW. Um, we can talk about we we can talk about that separately. AEW is big into the trios concept, so I mean it, it makes it makes sense. Yeah. So so the Bucks have a the Bucks have a mystery partner. Is it going to be Kenny Omega? And if it isn't Kenny Omega, how are they going to bring Omega back? I think Kenny Omega would be,
2: believe it or not, a perfect mystery partner for the Young Bucks because I'm going to be honest right now, like I don't know how given how the main title picture is looking right now with CM Punk, you know, and John Moxley and you have the JAS, the Jericho Appreciation Society all intertwined with everything, you know, cuz you're not going to have Kenny Omega come in for a mid-card title. When you bring Kenny Omega back, he's going to come back for the big stuff, the hot shot. If he went back as solo. But you bring him in as the Bucks mystery partner, automatically that right there, the trios tournament, Holy hell. You just got yourself a stack team and you got yourself an odds on favorite right there.
1: And, and honestly, they're going into, they're going into the tournament. Their first round opponent is the team of Andrane, Roosh and a uh, dragon Lee. Uh, so you already know, that's probably going to be a hell of a match. if it's, if it is Kenny Omega. So if it's not Kenny Omega, who is going to be the bucks, who, who could be the bucks partner? It's not going to be Adam Page, at least that's what it made it seem like last week.
2: Yeah, I thought for a while it was going to be Adam Page, but yeah, they last week definitely uh, knocked that idea, that theory out of the equation.
1: Can, can can we talk just off off topic? Can we talk about those jeans that they came out with 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 the butterflies on them? Um, wasn't wasn't this...
2: <laughs> <laughs> well. It's funny because. I believe it is on this side right here. My mother, who does a lot of uh, coloring, actually colored um, something that is nothing but butterflies. So there we go. So um, she does, it, so,
1: so she designed Adam Page's jeans that night, huh? Yeah,
2: there you go. She designed uh, Adam Page's jeans that night and... Well, if that's the case, then I definitely have to give them compliments. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you you don't you only get on the bad side of your mother because you never. Know, that's uh, the last
2: person whose side I want to be on the bad side of.
1: <laughs> so, w- with respect to the trios tournament, if Omega if Omega comes in with the Bucks, are they kind of basically going to be the the trio the first trios champion? Because you uh, kind of need a bigger you kind of need a bigger name. I don't think that you're going to give it to the Truthbusters or. I mean, you can maybe give it to the Best Friends. Um... The Best Friends would probably be the best match, but
2: honestly, I do think it has to be Omega. If Omega comes back as the Bucks' partner, they're already the odds-on favorite. The Bucks are already a favorite as it is, even though you don't know who the third person is. So I would assume, yeah, they'd probably be the favorites to win the trio's title. And you do need recognizable names As inaugural champions for any belt. Because that's how you build the prestige to it. Because the way I look at it, if you just give an unknown wrestler or one of of a lesser card status that hasn't gotten much of a push and you give them that belt, I mean, it'll be hard to draw the crowd into it. That's my standpoint on it. I
1: mean, hence why they gave uh, Chris Jericho the initial AEW world title. Uh, they gave the i believe they gave the bucks the first tag title they gave the bucks the first tag title um, um so
2: and they gave riho i believe the was riho the i believe the first AEW women's Rio champion riho was the first
1: women's and ch- you may worship. and
2: and people may say well in america she may not be as known but international audience wise riho is very well known
1: so Rio. Rio is severely under underrated in the AEW women's division. She should be yes, she she, she she should be featured more. So I
2: 100% agree. I was I was definitely team Rio um Rio for a long time, still am. Um but there's there's so many talented women in that division. But that's definitely up for another topic.
1: 100% Right, I mean, it, it's it is what it is. We'll see. We'll see what happens this Wednesday because apparently they're going to be. I don't know if they're kicking off the show or 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 main event in the show, but uh, it's it, it. No matter what, whoever the Bucks pick as a partner is probably going to be a pretty good pick. So, I believe so, absolutely. So I guess we'll go to another uh, topic. We'll 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 switch over to uh, WWE. Um, this was left over from last week, and I just added a few things to it. Uh, wrestlers returning recently, Karrion Kross, Dexter Loomis, uh, and then Hit Row couple, last week on SmackDown. There wasn't a return on, on Raw this week, but who do you think the next wrestler to return is going to be, and why do you want them to, to return? Ooh.
2: <laughs> well... Okay, excluding wrestlers that are like considered legends in WWE, because I know guys like Rob Van Dam have talked about coming back. Um, Trish Stratus is now going to be doing house shows for WWE, apparently, and yeah,
1: they're go- they're up in Toronto this weekend or something. Yeah, so and, and that's, understand- that's understandable. That's oh, It
2: works perfectly. I I feel that if there is any wrestler that I hope returns, I I want it to be Gargano, Johnny Gargano. I I, I I I and if is and now I was thinking I was really leaning towards, you know, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle Riley, but
1: they're under contract, so they're under
2: contracts, and on top of that, with Champa on Raw, um, Johnny Gargano, and I oh god I always struggle Gar- Gargano. Uh, Gargano Gargano yeah getting I, it always is hard to kind it's like pronouncing Calgary Alberta Canada um. <laughs> But, how do how the best way to put it? Basically, he's somebody who never truly got a shot on the main roster. I mean, you could say that about a lot of people, but he definitely never really got a shot on the main roster. Nowhere near what he should have. And I feel that it would be perfect because as a former NXT guy, somebody like Triple H... And then you got Shawn Michaels, who sees so much in him, so much potential, so much talent. You know that he'd be able to succeed on the main roster when put in the right environment, which wasn't the
1: case under Vince. What do you I think, mean, Chris? I, I mean, honestly, you, you can kind of—it almost looks in the last couple of weeks that Triple H's former NXT stamp is starting to take on to the WWE, st- the, the the Raw and SmackDown. I mean. I mean, there's more matches. It's more longer matches. There, you know, I mentioned that Drew, Drew McIntyre versus Kevin Owens last or Monday night seemed like it was a could have been on any takeover that you ever put on that Triple H ever put on. Am I am I wrong in that? Am I wrong in that thinking? No, the way it was all set up and the way it
2: unfolded was just textbook type NXT. Old school NXT material. And you definitely know when Triple H is laying his handiwork, if you will, on the product as opposed to somebody else.
1: And even you know? just and even just that promo last night between Kevin and, and Drew McIntyre felt differently. You know, it felt like they're like that they, they basically gave them probably a you know a outline of what they wanted or how they wanted to get there. It was up to the guy it was up to Kevin and Drew to get there. You know
2: I, Yeah. And can I just say for one little side note about Raw last night? Really? Ezekiel and <laughs> <laughs> Father? Oh okay, that might have been like the segment of the year.
1: That, I, pi- <laughs> that that picture is gonna live it is gonna live in WWE infamy. Forever, I mean
2: Zeke, Ezekiel and Elias's father. That great, just <laughs> <laughs> oh, I couldn't, I, <laughs> I could not contain because you thought la- people, most of us thought last week was the whole end of this Ezekiel thing when Kevin Owens practically murdered him by power bombing him onto the apron.
1: Because and I, then I the thought, next
2: week they bring back his father.
1: <laughs> I, I, th- I, I really thought that they they were gonna like take Ezekiel off TV so they can like. Make let him regrow his beard. I mean, but that's right, going to take a long. something
2: like that,
1: right? I mean, <laughs> they and, <laughs> and they and they photoshopped they photoshopped Elias into the picture, which was
2: <laughs> I can't. But see, and that's the thing. I also just feel like the whole product is just so much more enjoyable, and there is I know there's a high spot probably that's coming up that will kind of tie into what. Here right now and what we're talking about but i just feel like more people are going to want to come back to wwe just because either they didn't get the proper chance or because they were just unhappy re- in general but now the triple h in charge as far as creatively goes
1: you, you just wonder if triple h was in charge of creative maybe even six months ago would you see someone like a claudio cast Castanoli? go into aew would you would you even saw previously adam cole go into well AEW.
2: that's where i had the question and um i don't know if you wanted to get to that one that i had i had submitted regarding you know triple h have been in creative in the past but there it is um well, that's the
1: that's the morale that's the one. morale
2: one um that's the one there that, it is there it is this is the one I I brought in, and it was if Triple H had been in charge of WWE Creative years ago, do you really think AEW would have been created? Because AEW was almost formed because um, Cody Rhodes became very unhappy in WWE. He was very mis you know underutilized, and the whole Stardust thing was just not up to his potential. And he had done so much international work and stuff in Ring of Honor. And a lot of the guys out there wanted to expand and really take it to WWE. Hence, you know, and then you get a lifelong wrestling fan in Tony Khan to financially back it up. And look where you're at now. But would any of this have happened if Triple H was the one in charge and people were happy?
1: Well, the story from what I understand, Cody Rhodes left the WWE or was released. I can't remember what one it was. Uh he bet on himself. He bet on himself to go to Ring of Honor, New Japan. He bet on himself. Then they really bet on him. Ring of Honor really bet on him whenever they did the all the all in paper. The all
2: in event, yeah, the pay-per-view. That
1: was I mean cuz I believe if I'm not mistaken Rey Mysterio was on that pay-per-view, you know. Yep. There were, there was a um and, and and that was the whole thing is Ring of Honor basically kind of gave them their platform, but this was all the Bucks and Kenny and I believe Adam had something to do with it and Cody. Uh, and apparently from what I understand, Tony Khan was like wanting to invest money somewhere and Impact, at, Impact kind of begged him to by impact to you know be like hey you could do what you want to with this but they went off on their own you know aew wouldn't be around with tony without tony khan i think it would be around but would you have the high level people leaving you know what i mean
2: like, would the, the roster be what it is in AEW now if it were Triple H in charge? Because a lot of it... a lot, I, I think I get it because a lot of the wrestlers... And, and we're not trying to say, like, they are a WCW... Because I don't feel that AEW is what WCW was. I feel that the product is run much better. I feel that there's less of an ego situation going on behind the scenes. Um... And but anyway, to get back to what I was saying, with AEW, you look at some of the na- the big names that had left WWE and went to AEW, and I think that's what you're getting at. If Triple H was in charge, would have would those names have left? And the answer to me is no. I don't think they would have left because they would have morale would have been more ha- higher. and They would have been happier. I still think you would have gotten good independent names out there i still think you would have your christopher daniels you would have had frankie kazarian um you still would have had i was thinking, um a lot still, of them
1: you would still had the mjfs and the the people that graduated from basically what was mlw or right you know and there's nothing wrong with that but if triple h didn't have his like medical like problems and could have ran nxt would have it? Would Vince have stuck his nose into it? If, if Triple H could have stayed running it, ooh.
2: Vince definitely has a problem. Of as much as I've praised Vince McMahon for what he's done for the industry, he definitely had and had a problem of not knowing when to just be like, "Hey, okay, I'll let you handle this." He always, and people say, well, he's the chairman, CEO. Yes, but you have employees for a reason. You have departments. You have different branches for a reason to take responsibilities off of you so you don't have to do it. I I think it shows two things. It shows Vince's love for the business, but it also shows to adapt to change. Triple H and Stephanie McMahon and Shawn Michaels, you know, that generation that grew in the business and has seen so many things evolve, you know, they're they're right to run the business now, you know. and it's I think it's a shame the circumstances regarding Vince's retirement um because you know, we all used say he would die running the promotion. um but it's a shame of how it he retired. But definitely with Triple H in charge creatively, if it were earlier, either, like you said, could have been six months ago, could have been nine months ago, could have been years ago, the landscape of where we're at now would have definitely been different. Now, I got one question for you, Chris, um, in regards to this topic. You know, we talk about what could have been with AEW and everything. If Triple H ran WWE creatively and whatnot, we're gonna go back <clears throat> eight years, all right. So we'll go eight years. Does CM Punk stay in WWE? Because mm. 2014 was when everything really fell apart.
1: It was around the time of his concussion that, that time of the, the
2: concussion, the big staff infection, the, the all Z
1: that. the Z pack to death. That you know mm-hmm. that he uh had an accident on SmackDown and Yeah. Um I don't know. I don't think so because I think at that time CM Punk was probably just done with the business. Understandable. I mean I don't know for sure. Right. And hindsight is 2020, so I mean yeah. but at this point would he have I mean, would it have mattered that who, no matter who was in charge? I mean... At that point, Triple H wasn't really at a part to be in charge of anything because he didn't really take over NXT until a couple of years later, if I'm if I mis-
2: Yeah, Triple H was still very, a very active wrestler in 2014 still. I mean, hell, it was in 2016 he won the WWE Championship in the, uh, in the Royal Rumble and the Royal Rumble match. So, I mean... Triple H, which, oh, gosh, forbid, but point <laughs> on, Triple H was still very active on the in-ring part. Um, But, yeah, it's just interesting, and, and you know, you could sit here all night and do the what-could-have-beens. And I could, under, and like I said, I totally understand your point, Uh, you know, and I'm glad Night Owl's tuning in, and the family's tuning in, you know, there you could tell later in punk's career before um before he stepped away you could just tell something was off something was it was more of a mental thing i believe like he it's that passion you were talking about you know he just lost
1: the love for the business and it was just his reasons um but, but you can't really get any better than that uh Was it the Money in the Bank card that uh, it was in Chicago? It was Punk. Oh, yeah. Punk versus Cena. One of the greatest matches. I mean, I go back and watch that match all the time. And I I, I go back and watch it just for the reaction of the crowd whenever they're – because at that time, the WWE had that where they could delay things. And, you know, they're like – they rang the bell, and then they're like, stop for a minute and then punk's music and it wasn't even the uh, cult of personality at that time it was, it was, the, uh, was the other one it was Zilla's other one and that that uh, that response the only re- the only other response i've saw on a john cena match to that was when he wrestled rob van dam at a uh, ecw, ECW. Mm-hmm. ecw's one night stand and he knew he knew he was going in there as the person to not be well liked i mean he was able to flip on the he was able to flip on a dime because you know cena's one of the most popular people in the world at that point you know what i mean mm-hmm. um which, but but he goes but he goes into ecw arena or uh, what the hammerstein hammerstein uh, hammerstein ballroom room. which is
0: basically which, be- which
1: is basically ecw, <laughs> ECW arena too. <II>. um <laughs> right he was going in there as a hated person uh he kind of almost if it was the older days you would probably would have feared for his life
2: i um, feel like even in 2006 he still kind of did i mean the thing of it is chicago electric ecw's mm-hmm. crowd was hostile there is a difference right yes that's how i look at it the chicago crowd from money in the bank was electric from start to finish um, but the ECW crowd, you know, in Hammerstein Ballroom was they were electric and everything, but if one of them could jump the barricade, Cena, I mean, obviously Cena would have kicked their ass, but I mean he would have at least been attacked because they had it out for Cena.
1: And then you know? the and then the ending of that match was just great, is like you know, Punk wins, you know, he's uh he he's he's he's, he's Cheering on with his he's in the ring. Vince is down, you know. Vince tried to do the, the screw job, you know, they yeah. tried to replay the screw job. We all and know that money in
2: the bank and like with and Del Rio. Del Rio or...
1: and he just jumped the he just jumped the fence and he celebrated with his people. So you said that the morale in the WWE WWE is the highest that it's probably been in years. Yeah. Does Tony Khan need to do anything to respond? Yeah, he needs to lay off the fun
2: dip sugar. I the have said fun, this. The the fun. I, the fu- he said fun dip sugar. Let me tell uh, you something. I have said this on on roundabout sports multiple times. And I'm going to say it here. Tony Khan is literally the guy. That like the stuff in the fun dip. He ju- it's not even. He doesn't even use the stick. Dip it and eat it. No, he just lays it all out and snorts it like it's some fresh coke.
1: God, can we just say we- for so the lawyers of the Russell Talk Podcast doesn't doesn't come back to us and be like, did you just accuse Tony Khan of doing?
2: Yeah, doing I'm not accusing him of being a. I'm not accusing him of being <laughs> a druggie. I promise that is not my message here. But what I'm trying to get across is Tony Khan needs to just tone it down a little bit. I mean, this guy. I saw him at Shea and Chris, I believe you were there too. I,
1: I was there. I was there with uh you, the, the, I was there, with, I was minutes. there. I was there with the great uh, Christopher Miles and uh, and a couple of uh, other friends from the uh, wrestling group that we're in. And uh, uh, oh, it looked God. like he would he would do key bumps before he came out. Allegedly, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm trying not to get the the. Russell Top Podcast trouble, so I'm going to put allegedly in front of everything. Yeah, we're
2: going to put allegedly, and you know what? If he he has a lot, he said I'm the controversial one, so I'll I'll have to take the heat for it. Whatever. Hey, in the words of Bischoff, controversy creates cash, so we'll take what we can get right now. Um, But no, like that's the thing with Tony. I feel like okay, like I said earlier, he is a lifelong wrestling fan, which is great, but at some point. You also have to understand that if you're running AEW, you need to to be a businessman too. This is where I give Vince, and I'm going to go back to Vince while sticking with Tony on this. This is where I do give Vince his credit. The way he was brought up in the business was by doing stuff in the business, by working. His father made him work. Like He didn't just get handed the company one day. And he knew that Vince knew that he was not only a fan of this of this product, but the ins and outs of the business aspect. You know, like that's why when some of the guys sold their their territories, you know, the Vince Vince gave them lifetime contracts with WWE, like Gorilla Monsoon, for example. Perfect example. You know, he's like, here, you share, you sell this share in this or whatnot. We'll give you a lifetime contract. You'll never leave, have to leave WWE again. Um, Tony is more like a teenager, and that is just around
1: wrestlers. I mean, it, it's almost. It, it, I kind of, I kind of reckon it back to the uh, Eric Bischoff days of uh, East EC, or uh, ECW, w- uh, WCW, <laughs> that he would try to pick up every WWE, WWF. Uh, cast, you know, person that didn't re-sign or anything. Nash Hall and X-Pac and Ted DiBiase Ted DiBiase, Mr. Perfect. I mean, mean, anyway, I mean, and it worked at the time. He had Ted Turner money behind him. Tony Khan has Tony Khan money behind him. Tony Khan has Shotcon. money. Shot Kahn Kahn, had, yeah,
2: I was going to say, his, his Tony, dad,
1: let's not underestimate how big Rich's dad is. Woo. I mean, Tony Tony Khan's got Jacksonville Jaguars NFL money behind him. So, I mean. Yeah,
2: which shows that, uh, I mean, making smart financial decisions isn't always the best thing in the family, but that's beside the point.
1: Uh, <laughs> and
0: Shotcon Shot,
2: Shot, Shot,
1: Shot, Shot, I just want to say, I'm still bitter about it. con got screwed by Stan Kroenke. Shad Khan put out. Shad Khan yeah. actually put in a bid for the St. Louis Rams because he, he was a, did. He Shad was, Khan wanted. Wasn't, wasn't he? A, mi- he was. He was a minor, He was one of the minority owners, I believe, of the Rams as well. Yeah. And Ugh. Stan Kroenke was actually the actually had the right of first refusal. So at the very last minute, Stan Kroenke put in his bid and. You see where you see where that ended up, but we're not we're not we're not a football podcast, and we're uh, and it seems like it's upsetting Jeremy right now. No, I uh, really wish this was a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it know. doesn't it doesn't really make you it doesn't it really make you mad that Stan Kroenke, the Rams actually won the Super Bowl, and the I'm happy that, for some of those players because right. they played Aaron, the Aaron, like Aaron Donald Johnny
2: I, Hecker Rob yeah. Havenstein yeah
1: those those guys but everybody else can but then. Run off. <laughs> The goddamn Colorado Avalanche won the fucking Stanley Cup. <laughs> That's how I look at And honestly, I have one of my best friends as a Colorado Avalanche fan has been for years. Would uh, used to give me trouble because the Colorado Avalanche had two Stanley Cups and the Blues didn't have any. Um, I was I was able to rub it in his face in 2019, which he was actually happy for me. You know. He, And I was I was happy for him because he actually got to literally see one that, you know, that he could actually be a part of and be happy about. So I'm happy for him. But it's Stan Kroenke. Right. And And didn't their lacrosse team or something like there, there's another team that he owns, like a minor, a minor share and won a title. So,
2: yeah. And Haas is pointing out, yes, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. And I'll tell you this. Championships may have been a while ago, but they're still they still count as championships.
1: Do they, they really? We just,
2: well, let's put it this way: people always and then we'll get back on topic when I say after I say this. People always talk about how the Cubs didn't win a World Series until, since 1908, but guess what? That they still counted it as a World Series. So if we can count a World Series in '68 or in 1908, we can count a championship in '64. Damn it!
1: But that's
2: neither here nor there. Haas is a Raiders fan,
1: so I mean, I thought I mean you could kind of drop the mic at that point where you're you're like Hoss is Hoss is a, Hoss is a Raiders fan. I mean, yeah,
2: but you know, and thankfully Tony Khan isn't. But this is my thing about uh with Tony well, Khan. Tony Khan's
1: a, Tony Khan owns the Jacksonville is a part owner in the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's a whole but, other mess. I might have wanted um, to be a, a Jacks Raiders fan then. Anyway, but, but it gave them. But honestly during the whole pandemic it gave them their place so that they could actually do their shows and still put tv shows and out and
2: that is one thing i give AEW a pro the, now see here take it um let's look at wrestlemania 36 which i thought for the circumstances very very good wrestlemania but notice there was literally nobody in attendance um but then you got AEW which was able to still have a limited amount of fans at a uh, at oh god was it Daily's
1: place Daily's place Daily's place, I like Daly's yeah. place yeah. yeah it's it's basically their the amphitheater between that was on the same grounds as where the Jacksonville Jaguars play right so, and
2: it's a great home for the uh for the
1: it worked out per- it worked out perfectly they couldn't have people they couldn't have actually physically people there they had they had their roster at ringside Right. Um, I mean, and it was a big environment, so it made it feel
2: more, it made it feel bigger. That's the thing. When you're in, when it was WWE, you know, they were so confined and you only had maybe five NXT wrestlers hitting that, hitting that pexi glass. But in AEW, you had the big arena and you had, you had rostered wrestlers everywhere. And like, it was, it was a much better thing. So, to, but with Tony Khan, with what's going on in that locker room right now, there are people, um, that have been butting heads and I think it is in response to, and good evening, Herb Simmons, ladies and gentlemen, one of the absolute greatest in the professional wrestling industry. Always a pleasure to have him on as a, as a, I know, I know as you, a guest.
1: I know you saw that picture of Curtis Wilde in the, uh, in the, the chat that from his, uh, War wounds from with Attila Khan. I mean,
2: I can't even believe that. Like,
1: how? <laughs> Just
2: how? how? Did, you, did you not see how deep that cut
1: was? Right. I mean, how how is he still moving the next day? So, I he, and and Haas brings up that. i you know, am guess
2: I'm guessing that happened
1: in Illinois. Yes, that was a that was in Illinois. Because <laughs> I'll tell you, as sure as hell ain't gonna happen in Missouri. No, I, no. I mean. Missouri um, this past week was MMWA in uh, St. Louis and uh, WLW down in uh, Troy, Missouri. Yep, and so, have great things for both and,
2: shows. And
1: MMWA announced that they're going to quote bring back their MMWA women's title. They're gonna have yeah, a, tur- they're a gonna have they're gonna have a tournament next month and they're bringing in some people from the Kansas area. September tenth, I believe. So. Yes, September tenth at the South Broadway Athletic Club. Um uh, SICW will also be running shows on the Around that time, so, uh, it and the, but they're bringing in a couple of Kansas, Kansas people that wrestle in the Kansas area that Renee would probably know. The names escape me because I wasn't part of the show this past week. So, um, well,
2: and let me tell you, folks, just like Chris and I, Big Sexy and I are so involved with the work out here in the St. Louis scene. You got guys like the Night Owl and Sunny Money Mayo who are so involved in wrestling out in the Kansas City area and just in the whole KC area in general. And it's wonderful.
1: And, um, and, and from what I understand, UUCW, they did their show this past week with uh, Ray Leone and uh, Mike, Matt, Mike Uh Oh, uh-oh. Herb, no way.
2: all this and Attila Khan? Uh-oh. Oh, here we go, and and Renee. Yes,
1: yes, one of them is Stormy Renee. I, my the name escaped me for a second, so uh, she's going to be a part of the MMWA uh, Women's Tournament. So, I know Ashton Alexander is going to be uh, Maddie Exodus, uh, Maddie Exodus. Uh, Riley Riley, oh. Riley Knox. There's a oh, my, there's a there's a mystery person that they're not going to name until then. So, uh it, that's that's I, I mean, St. Louis of Kansas. But uh, anyway, Ray Leone has been a guest. My. Mike Sayo was a guest last week. Uh, Matt Side, sorry, Matt Seidel. Oh god. I did the same thing Renee did. I called him Matt and it, or I called him Mike and it's, it's Matt Saido that was a guest. So I it was Zeke, Zeke. <laughs> I, I worked with, I've worked with both of them. They're both great guys. So so anyway, so we're gonna keep rolling on, on high spots. I mean absolutely we're having a it's, because, a it's a great time because our first guest has not joined us yet, so um, but you know what? We're gonna keep we're gonna keep on rolling. What else do I got? Uh ba-ba-ba-ba. oh well, here's I uh, want your opinion on this. Did you watch Ric Flair's last match? You already know I did, and you, and what's funny is you
2: and I have the complete To an extent, opposite opinions of the match. It was terrible. You thought it was terrible. It was terrible. I thought, I was enamored in the nostalgia. Now, if we're talking like, well, technically, so was Hogan-Andre. That match was terrible, too. But I understand where you're getting at. Yes. As far as quality goes, it was bad. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and i will R- renee admitting that he called mike matt or mike matt, mike matt mike eight times so so does that mean you're
2: gonna have a matt's hard lemonade
1: oh no 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 but uh but apparently that match really did was was one of the probably one of the best matches in a while so but yeah Ric flair's last match go <laughs> uh
2: So he wished he didn't say that was his last match. You know what? I wish that when he said it was done in 2008, it was. Because you want to know why? And I know you'll agree with this. And I definitely want to hear your opinion on this. Um, So I showed mom some of Ric Flair's last match. showed her a couple pictures from it as well. And she goes, well, no, I was showing her, yeah, I was showing her the end of Ric Flair's uh, last match. And she was like, wait, he's still wrestling. And we met him back in January when the Royal Rumble was in St. Louis. Um, And, you know, she got to meet him on a plane and back in the seventies on its way to, I believe South Carolina um, or North Carolina, one of the two, I think Charlotte. So anyway, she was like, didn't he retire years ago? I was like, yeah, well he, he, decided to come he's, back
1: he's retired a couple of times
2: yeah but we both remember i mean of course i remember but she remembers we were watching the night after wrestlemania back in 2008 when they had the huge rick flair retirement so everybody came out harley race the horseman ricky steamboat batista jericho everybody came out the, greg the hammer um and that was the perfect send-off because that was one of the greatest matches in rest, in, in history, especially in my, WrestleMania history.
1: That was like, the best. That was the best match Ric Flair has wrestled in probably what twenty? Nah, I wouldn't go that far because he, he was pretty good for a while. But ten. That, that that I would give you ten. That that iconic moment of Shawn Michaels setting up for the super kick, and him saying, "I'm sorry, I love you." And then <laughs> put him out like old, old Yeller, old
2: yellow and flares up here just crying. Like, come on, you son of a bitch! I'm, I'm going. I'm still fighting. Right.
1: Uh, I mean, that was been the perfect moment to go away. Yes. But...
2: It, it, it. But it needs to end. It, it, it needs to because he has had so many health issues in relation to his nature boy lifestyle, all the drinking, all the partying,
1: and, Dude, like, has, a, dude has a pacemaker in him. He, he probably, has a pacemaker. He should have like, been wrestling. He passed out, apparently he passed out twice.
2: <laughs> look, you know, we had talked about this with, like, uh, referee H.D. Daniels and referee Christopher Miles, and we talked about, look, Flair always talked about dying in the ring. I didn't in, mean it to be literal. I mean, I don't want to physically see that happen. I apparently I almost did.
1: Apparently, um Undertaker was pretty scared about, you know, he, apparently he kind of he, he was kind of caught whispering to him is like, don't, "Don't do that again." Don't That's do that what again. I was saying.
2: I I said that too when Mom saw like the Undertaker whispering in his ear. I bet I said, "You know what I bet he's saying?" He's like, Rick, I love you, but don't do this shit ever again. Please. Like, and you know what? I'm all for that. This neat... Look, Ric Flair says he wish he didn't say it was. I wish that it is, his last match. Because you know what? Once again, I'm going to go to the nostalgia factor. The old NWA setup. You had, um... The old school announced team of David Crockett and uh, Tony Schiavone.
1: I loved. I love, I did love the old school setup with the old school, like world championship wrestling. Yeah. Uh, Backstage. Right. Yeah. And they incorporated the guys from each of the promotions too. So it was exactly. It was, so the, the event as a whole was actually a really good event, but the main
2: event, which I'm going to just tell you, if, you know, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter does the worst work match of the year every year. If that is on there as the worst match, I'm not going to be surprised.
1: I mean, I wouldn't say it's the worst match because they had enough people with Andrade and Jay Lethal to... I mean, and honestly, where Ric Flair didn't look like he did, belonged in the ring, Jeff Jarrett, on the other hand, dude was jacked. Jeff Jarrett was in great shape.
2: Yeah, the fact Jeff Jarrett has not done as much wrestling lately. I but mean, if, but if you think
1: about that match, a produ- all right, go ahead. If you think about that match, you had a WWE producer or the, their live events producer, yeah, um, who refereed a match at SummerSlam the night before, teaming with a Ring of Honor AEW guy against Ric Flair, which he's not really affiliate. Against an AEW guy, you had AEW, Ring of Honor, and WWE all represented in that ring with a guy that's wrestled for pretty much every promotion
2: that's ever existed.
1: Using Jeff Jarrett's Impact theme, the T- his TNA theme, his My World theme, which I believe the WWE should buy from from a uh, from whoever owns it because. That is true. I, I don't want that whole your, thing. I don't want that double J thing. I, I just, it doesn't fit him anymore. So.
2: Yeah. But you know what? The quick side note while, while before we get back on this topic, you want to know one of my favorite impact themes, hardcore country. Right? That was cool.
1: That was kind of cool to hear here in St. Louis, wasn't it?
2: Yes, it was when they heard when I heard that the rumble and everything was like hardcore country. I was like, Oh
0: my God. What?
1: So, but so I guess I guess we could talk about a little bit from what's going on in the St. Louis area here because we got a couple of big events coming, national events coming to St. Louis here in the in the coming months. At the NWA, of the, 70, NWA 74. Let's let's 24. let's talk. Let's talk about it. Are you going?
2: As of now, I am still working on that. I have a couple events with uh some friends, and we're working on trying to schedule something out to where we can go. I know it's a uh I believe it is on the 27th and 28th. So. 27th to 28th that's 28th. my ber-
1: my birthday is the 29th. So that's oh, how so it there is. You go. And, th- and that's how it was last year. It was on my birthday weekend last year. 73 was the- on my birthday weekend. But there I mean not only is matches scheduled already. Over over two days, yes, there is two days. Uh, they've got the United. They're bringing back the United States Tag Titles, if I'm not mistaken. I, yep, they're I... bringing
2: back the United. It's a uh, tag team battle royal for the vacant uh, NWA uh, United States Tag Team Championship. I'm pull- which I'm,
1: I am pulling it up right now just to make sure that we're uh, night one uh, has uh, Camille versus Taya for the NWA Women's World Championship, Homicide versus Carrie Morton. I'm excited uh, for that one. Uh a couple of other big Bully Ray and Mike Knox in the tables match. I mean, and then you got Jax Dane uh versus uh oh, and, and, and the fir- and the first man. night, the first night has the Burke the Burke Invitational Gauntlet and St. Louis's uh favorite uh 2D Lin is in that in that match. Very Wait, true. You said Jack Stane, Is that who you were looking for?
2: Yeah, Jack Stane's going to be wrestling for the NWA he, National Heavyweight Championship. He's taking
1: on. He's taking on Scion.
2: Yeah, he's going to be taking on Scion.
1: And then, uh, and then night two, you got Trevor Murdoch and Tyrus is going to be for the for the World Heavyweight Championship. And then you got your uh, Gold Rush match, which has uh, or Gold Rush versus uh, the Miserably Fateful. That's kind of a great name. The 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 now the the ill begotten rough and ready hawk, hawks airy, the country gentlemen, our friends at Team Ambition, and then there's going to be another team that's going to be announced. So, and then well, and then and then the winner of either Camille or Taya Ty Valkyrie is going to take on the winner of the Burke Invitational. So,
2: yeah, and you know what's interesting is last year at um at the NWA show when. They had um, the Trevor Murdoch winning the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Um, Ric Flair coming out there and congratulating him. The whole, the whole moment of that happening, like it was just, it was just heartwarming because there was so much. It definitely felt like, especially when I went to the show last year, at NWA 73, you know, it was back in the chase, just like Wrestling at the Chase was. It was in the ballroom, uh, the famous ballroom, um, where the shows used to be held. And you had people there in suits and ties, just like they used to be back in the day. Um, And there was this this whole old school feeling to it. And it's so great seeing the NWA get revitalized with some old school talent and talent that has been in, um, that's still fresh
1: in the industry. They're trying to weave in the, they're trying to weave, trying to weave in the past and the present. So
2: yeah. And I think the NWA, which now being its own promotion, as opposed to a governing body, I think they've done really good so far, um, And like I said, Trevor Murdoch is a great champion uh, to have. And I remember it was a title versus career match with uh, Trevor Murdoch and Nick Aldis. And the crowd just erupted when Murdoch won. Um, Well, I mean, because
1: Murdoch has a whole... Tied to the area, you know. He's yeah. A, he's a Harley guy. He's a he's a he's a Harley guy for W from WLW. You know. I seen Trevor Murdoch wrestle on WLW shows. You know. Yep.
2: Same here. And I, you know, and the bond he had. I mean, he was the one who, you know, kept people updated on Harley's health at near the end of uh, his life. <laughs> You know, and because it was just that, it was almost like a father-son bond. You know, he was family to Leland and Harley and the rest of the family. And so he, with that, brings ties to the region. You know, and with that, was definitely somebody to get behind. It was a great show. I'm looking forward to NWA 74 one way or another. I'm really hoping that I will be able to make it to
1: either one or both of the nights. <coughs> and um, then it was just announced this past week that uh, SmackDown is making its first return since, oh, I believe, what was it? Tw- did I see 2018, I think, maybe? Uh, SmackDown live taping. um I saw that I what did I see? Man, I should wrote I should write this stuff down. Because say Raw was only here about a year. was it last either last year or you know, probably was here. Um but they're they're coming at the end of October and they're going to do their they're going to do their taping. So, I mean for for the area that's kind of cool. I mean a lot of talk about Missouri wrestling and the Missouri state athletic commission. And I don't know if I really want to get into that. You right know what
2: I, I do, but not to the extent in which I know I'll get into it on roundabout sports because I know there is a lot of controversy and, but it needs to be, especially we're the wrestle talk podcast for crying out loud. We have to address this situation. Um, so recently I saw I came across a petition that was filed on change.org in regards to basically going after the Missouri State Athletic Commission, which oversees all these active the event wrestling events, MMA events, boxing matches, um, all these types of specialty events. And they you know, put it mildly, Thanks to taxes and just overall stupidity, wrestling promotions aren't making money that they should be, deservedly so, um, unfortunately. So... But for a guy who's been in the industry a lot longer than I have, I definitely want your opinion on, and we've experienced it firsthand... And right. we know people that have experienced it even worse than we have. So what is your take on just the new rules regarding how much money gets taken out of a show that a
1: promoter puts on? Okay. So I disagree with the change.org petition. That's why I never, that's why I didn't sign it because right? Um, it's not because I don't agree with it completely. It's because I don't, Because I don't agree with it completely, because the commission, the state, the state athletic commission does a good thing. It keeps it keeps the it it basically keeps keeps promoters that shouldn't be running shows out of Missouri, because you have to get a promoter's license, you have to get a bond, you have to get you have to get a uh, uh, you have to file for a permit for every show. All the wrestlers have to be licensed, blood work that that i that part of it i have absolutely no problem with right i don't necessarily have a problem with them taking a percentage of the gate because it's a ta- it, you know we live we live in a tax world you know what i mean um i know i i know i don't agree with the ex- the extra that they added on this last I guess, when the, when the renewal process came apart. Because they're only doing it for one reason, one reason. Well, two reasons, I should say. One, the Missouri State Department of Athletics is not part of the Missouri Department of Registration's budget. So the department gets absolutely zero state funds. And that is a problem that should be taken up with the state, state, le- state legislature. Yeah. And not have it be taken out on anybody else, okay? Two, in 2020 and 2021, what was going on? We were in a pandemic. Vince didn't come to town. Tony was starting and he didn't come to town. And I've been told on on a good source that one Vince show during the year paid for the budget of the Department of Athletics for the full year. Now, can I be for sure on that? Yes. Would I love to talk to, to, to Tim Lukanoff and get his understanding about how this goes? Maybe sometime down the road. Maybe that's something you could do on the uh, on roundabout sports. I don't I don't know. I don't know if he'd be willing to talk about it because this is the one thing that that unites promoters. They're pay you have to pay $1 not a, not just the tax not it's a percentage of the tax it's whatever county that you're in of the gate which is i guess it's fine it is what it is it's part of the, it's part of doing business it's a tax but you have yeah. to pay just not only that tax you have to pay a surcharge a dollar right. surcharge on every person that is in that building and that's not just necessarily just the people that pay. You have to pay it on people that you, let's say you would give 10 comps to a, to a special needs home and you want them to come to the show so they can enjoy themselves. as a special alley. We You would have to pay a dollar for each of those people. You would have to pay a dollar. And apparently you have to pay a dollar for just anyone that just might be watching the show that's not part of the venue or your company. That's the part I have a problem with. And it was never like debated or you couldn't put it. It was just kind of one of those things that all of a sudden one day a letter went out to all of the people in the world or all the all the promoters would be like, hey, you know, and I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to get myself into trouble. But that's the part I have a problem with. Because yeah. because what what do you do if you're doing a show that you're outdoors and you're you you know uh at the at like a gate at like our show at Gateway Harley Davidson, you know, could you technically be like, you know, anyone that drives down the road, they might have glimpsed the show. Do we have to pay for them? You don't have to because it's someone that had to be physically in the area of the show apparently, and that's still up in the air. So, but the problem is, it was never debated. It was never there was never a chance for the public to enter in, uh, enter in a uh, co- public comment on it. Like most most things in the state of Missouri do, most things nationwide do. So that's my problem.
2: And see, that's where. I definitely agree with you on the matter because I think one of the biggest issues, I mean, obviously the whole thing about adding taking out an extra a dollar on every person within the vicinity, basically in attendance. But I think it is the fact that this was never brought up to a debate. The fact that it was never held in a public forum of can't, you know, and obviously, I know most, if not all, promoters would be like, hell no, we do not want this happening. But the fact they didn't get a choice, you just found out, you know, while you're about to host a show, be like, hey, by the way, we got to count every single person who's in this building because that we got to take a dollar from all that, you know, like, and s- some promoters, how do I, I'm trying to think of how to works. Some promoters draw good crowds at every show. Others struggle to. Doesn't mean the product's not good. It's just how wrestling is, you know? Especially when you're in, like, St. Louis and Kansas City, where the markets are very saturated with promotions. Right. And so they're all fighting for the same audience. So honestly, it's even more of a reason where the promoters should need to work together, because it's almost like they're fighting for their dreams like and you had mentioned about having Tim Lukanoff like in an interview and i you know that is something i'm going to try to get down the road um i already i've already I mean you you know it's been brought to my attention of how it could go but you know that's something down the road and we'll see what happens but i do believe it's a situation that deserves answers and i feel like I understand why they are, you know, there's wrestlers and people in the industry who are putting out that petition. And I respect the fact they are doing it. Um, but I understand why some would not want to sign it as well as why they do. See, the Athletic Commission is necessary. I yes. think, you know, we need the Missouri State Athletic Commission, but. What we don't need is them overstepping there. that is the root thing for me. I feel like you, you every state should have a commission, like Missouri does. But
1: and the the, prob- the problem the problem is is the rest the the wrestling promotion the to the promoters license not the promoters license the uh, permit fee for a wrestling show is like ten times more than an MMWA or amateur boxing show, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, and, you know, say a wrestling show will draw, you know, maybe a hundred people, you know, that's a dollar per person. Then you have the people that are working the venue for concessions and things of that nature. Um, then you mentioned the comp tickets like all that adds up and the amount of work that goes into putting together a show like for the sake of a promoter not only this is it a lot financially it's just a lot physically and mentally it takes a lot to put together a wrestling show
1: right i mean because you have to one i mean putting together a wrestling show you think it'd be you know it'd be easy you like you book a venue you 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 get you have your ring you have your your lighting you have your concessions or if the if the venue is doing concessions if you know if uh uh you know that kind of stuff but you know it's it's not just that you have to like put together who you want to have on the show because, I mean, you don't want just anybody on the show. You want like, you know, you want a variety of people on the show. Um, you have to put what match order you're going to have on there, you know, and you know you you have to get there. And you've been there on show days, you know. It a show oh. day. A show day is really honestly, it's not just the three hours that you're at the show.
2: It goes beyond that. It goes
1: beyond that. Before and after the show. Right. Before and after the show. It's like you're there, at like, if you have a seven o'clock or eight o'clock show. You're probably there at eight o'clock. You probably, if you could get into the building the night before, you were at least able to set up the ring and get the barricades up and everything. But you still have to set up the chairs. You still have to set up the merch table. You still have to set up the, the production. You still have to set up the, the, the sound. You have to set up the trussing. You have to set up everything. Not including making sure everyone shows up to the show because, you know, show days, someone has car problems or something comes up or sick. I mean, it it happens. I mean, everyone gets sick,
2: you know. Absolutely. So things change on the fly. And, you know, that's why you have to start setting things up early because – you can't just – say a show starts at 6, for example, you can't wait till 5.45 and be like, okay, well, you're in this match instead because this person can't show – that's not how it works. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. There's shows that say they end at 10. You know, we've done shows that end at 10.
1: Right. We yeah, may yeah, not yeah. get
2: home till after midnight because there's just so much work well, that
1: because, goes into uh, it. because after the show, you know, people want to linger around. They want to talk to the wrestlers. They want – you know, they're – you know. Doing an independent show is different than doing a WWE show. WWE people, they just leave, you know, at shows over, they leave. Wrestlers are backstage, going. You know? independent shows are different because the people come out, the, the wrestlers come out, they talk to, the, they talk to their fans. They take pictures, you know, you have to, you have to put up all the chairs. You have to take down the, uh, the trussing. You have to take, you have to tear down the production equipment. You have to tear down the sound. You have to tear down the ring. You have to load the ring on the on the, on the uh, trailer, and and then the people that drive the trailer they have to drop it off at wherever it's going, whether it be the Dynamo Pro Dojo or other shows. They you know they keep it in their they keep it at their house. You know, exactly. It's like not it. just that. It's not just that three hour escape from reality that you get when you're running a promotion and you're running a show. You have the beginning, the middle, and the end. And on top of all of
2: that, I think, you know, obviously, in even, even when you talk about the escape from reality, that's just the audience. Because even backstage, you know, there's still so much work that goes on. And all the while, you are being watched by the Missouri state athletic commission. There is somebody there that is making sure everything is in working order. He's there.
1: He's there. He's there a couple hours before the show to make sure everyone's got their license. He's got, he's got a list that has the licensing. that would be like, okay, this person, because you have to, you have to get all your, your documentation in, you can pay for your license the day of the show, but you have to have all your documentation in prior, several days prior to the show. So the, so the, inspector gets a list and is like, this person is okay. This person's okay. This person just needs to pay, you know, th- that kind of stuff.
2: Right. So like I said, I think at the petition, you know, the change.org petition is good hearted in the sense of where they're coming from on it. But I do believe there is a different, different aspect that needs to be changed it's not about dissolving it's about um i guess evolving or adapting like i said the key thing here is not about dissolving the athletic association no absolutely, absolutely not because that it would be about- that would
1: be the biggest mistake missouri would ever do is that they dissolved it one the state needs to fund it i don't care if it's like 100 dollars, whatever you need to fund it state right. needs to fund it. It needs to be talked about on the state on the legislature floor as part of the budget process because it's 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 inconceivable that a government entity is not funded.
2: yeah, it's unbelievable that it isn't. And on top of that, the biggest issue, say the commission or the athletic commission gets dissolved, what happens is the health of okay and and we know, The health of the wrestlers and everybody involved is at risk whenever you have a show in general. But we're talking, like, really, health of the wrestlers is getting... I cannot express. You, You ask certain people within the industry, and they will tell you the difference between wrestling in states across the country as far as regulations go, you know there's a reason not every state you can pile drive somebody through a flaming table. <laughs> there is a damn good reason why don't get me wrong. Like, you know, some extreme deathmatch wrestling is entertaining to watch every once in a while. But at the same time, there's a reason it's not everywhere. So that, our, that's all I got. Our,
1: <laughs> all right, Jeremy. So uh, we're going to, we're actually going to pu- Take a pause for the cause. Um, Works for we, me. <laughs> we were supposed to have a uh, we we're supposed to have a snippets of true segment, but uh, he's not here. So uh, we do have our second guest in the in the green room. So we're we're good on that. But what, we're going to take us a short little break. I'm going to play a song. Um, I'm going to take I'm going to take Maestro off here, and then I'm going to take myself. I'm gonna... Bear with me. I'm working first time. I'm working on on this. So uh, I'm going to put up the logo. And I'm going to play a song, and we're going to be back here in just a few minutes, uh, about three minutes or so, and um, we will uh, take, take care of that. So we will see you here in just a few minutes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back here at the Wrestle Talk podcast. Let me take that off of there. We can bring us back in. My name is uh, Road Dog Chris Rodell with the uh, with the one and only the Meister Jeremy Carp. First hour, basically thank did you, ex- basically did an extended high spot segment, um, and we, we had some good conversations about the world of professional wrestling, and uh, you know I think things things have gone pretty well considering considering but you know what nothing you, wrong with it we did you know uh, what it's live what can you expect right
2: right you know what that's the best part though we adapted and we have ourselves our amazing second guest and
1: but uh but before we get before we get to the uh, second guest let's uh let's uh we wouldn't be here without our sponsors so uh i'm gonna throw this up here you want to take care of this again for me for, yeah, why for, not? What? All right.
2: We got a good job the first time. Yeah, why not? I love it. So nice you do it twice. Well, Royal Milch Transportation, dewan Mills, Wrath Buns Engraving. If you want a mug of the Rust Talk Podcast, it only costs you just 20 measly dollars. And gas is going down, so that always helps. Nobleman's Barber Lounge in Kansas City, Missouri. All you got to do is ask for Pete the Barber. Kade Arcade. Look at that beautiful mug. Um, And at the Oak Park Mall is Kincaid Arcade. Everything Combat with Pat Militech and Jeffrey Wilson. Interstate 70 Sports Media. Yours truly, along with my amazing team members. And, of course, the world's premier fantasy wrestling group, often imitated, never duplicated, the FWWC.
1: Oh, man, I tell you, that FWWC... We were not mess around no man. they don't they, they, they don't they don't they don't play they they are the the top level uh, so we've had some great wrestling talk but you know what the wrestling talk doesn't stop here on wrestle talk podcast because uh our second guest this week he's he's written book he's written several books um the first one of the one of them uh lance by chance uh wrestling as a von Eric uh, the story of uh, Lance von Eric, and he's got a new book Russellville Volume One, come that sh- that is out now, or is out going to be out soon? So, uh, it is my pleasure to welcome to the Russell Talk Podcast the one and only Vincent Vinny Vin, Vinny Berry
0: Going, Vinny. It is going great. How awesome. are you guys? It's
2: such a pleasure to have you on this evening. Thank you. Hey, thank you, uh,
1: Vinny. Welcome back. Uh, I should say, welcome back to the WrestleTalk yeah, podcast. It's we hope, we hope that we hope that we're, we're so happy that you came back. Um, I want to delve in because I wasn't a part of the interview the first time. Whenever you did the uh, interview about the the book uh, Lance by Chance, wrestling as of Eric Eric. Um, how did that one, how did that book come about about? And two, just tell us a little backstory on it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So I grew up in uh Dallas, outside of Dallas. And uh I grew up during um you know what I would call the 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 hot you know the the hot bed time of uh world class championship wrestling, you know when the wrestling was really on fire up there in the, in the mid eighties, early Von, the Von, Erickson, Von Erickson Freebirds, Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I moved to South Texas and I started covering some boxing and MMA and I did that for about five or six years. Uh, I worked for a, uh, uh, MMA promoter and I, uh, ended up becoming his matchmaker and, What happened was um, I was writing. I was covering boxing and MMA all over the state of Texas. And because I knew all these fighters, uh, I ended up becoming the matchmaker, you know, uh, because we would say like three days before uh, a big fight or something or a big event, uh, my promoter would call me and say, hey, you're going to have to write something. Somebody fell out of the fight uh, we're going to have to scratch that fight. And I said, well, why don't you call this guy? And he's, who's this guy? And I said, well, he's ranked number four in the state. So, you know, you should give him a call and see if he'll take the fight. And so, you know, this, this happened several times and, uh, he was, uh, somewhere along the line, he was like, dude, dude, why aren't you my matchmaker? So I worked for him and, uh, was writing, but when that came to an end, The combat of sports kind of dried up down here in South Texas there for a while, and uh, I wanted to write, and so I started a website called WrestleVille.com, and uh, my wife really didn't care what I did as long as I, you know, kind of drove my own car, so to speak, so I got my own website, I started writing about wrestling, I had some wrestling contacts, started writing about wrestlers, and I had some... uh, You know, I was writing stories, putting them on Russellville.com. And somewhere along the line, I believe it was James Beard that I was talking to. He's a um, referee, been a referee for since the the 80s, right? And uh, very well known here in Texas. And uh, he has a pretty strong background in Japan and in the NWA as well. Anyway, I was talking to him. He used to work up in world class. And Lance would come up uh in our conversations. I said, you know, that guy would have a you know, that guy's gotta, he gotta have an amazing story, you know. And uh one day we had that conversation again and he just said, Hey, if you want to get in contact with him, this is how you do it. So I reached out to him and Lance was like that, man. I mean, <laughs> I, I I can't tell you how many times I reached out to wrestlers to interview them or to talk to them and you know uh, don't get a response for for quite some time or never right and and lance was like like the next day you know maybe even later that day and we set up a time to talk like for the next day so at
1: that at at, at that time in, in in world class they they have gone they had gone through so many tragedies with the with the deaths of carrie and kevin or not kevin um Carrie and Mike. David, Mike and David. What drew world-class to Lance Von Erich or the guy that we know as Lance Von Eric?
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's a really good question. And a lot of people think that, uh, you know, he was, he was brought in because of Mike Von Erich when Mike Von Eric had his shoulder injury and he had the toxic shock syndrome. What happened was, um, David Von Erich died in Japan and about that was what, February? Well, the summer of, that was February of 84. David Von Erich died in the summer of 84. David Manning's on a golf course and Lance is out there uh, with his fiance and father-in-law or father-in-law to be. And uh, he just got done with a bodybuilding competition he was wore, like wearing a tank top and shorts, and uh, I mean, he was he was cut, and he 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 looked like a million bucks. And uh, David Manning couldn't take his eye off of him, man, because he he looked like a professional wrestler. You know, he he had a body like Kerry, you know, and so he um, just ended up approaching him and said, "Hey, man, have you ever thought about wrestling, professional wrestling?" He was like, "No, never." Yeah. Crossed his mind, you know? And so um, he said, Well, I think you can make a lot of money doing that. And uh, he came down, he talked to Fritz. Fritz said, Hey, this is the idea we have for you. Uh, we may or may not put the Von Eric name on you, but we want to bring you into professional wrestling. Well, he didn't know how to wrestle. And back then, TV wasn't like it was, right? Wasn't, you know, the. The regional TV, and and that's how they they made their money off regional wrestling, right? So you could go to all these different territories. Well, they set him up to Portland, and he wrestled uh, with Don Owen, and uh, Don Owen just put the name Ricky Vaughn on him.
1: So that you, mean, was- you mean like Ricky Vaughn, the player, the uh, pitcher from the from the major leagues, sh- the yeah. <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> so so did the did the Von Eric family when he came back to world class did they did they accept him in or did they, were they were they like were what what was that what was that I mean that dynamic probably had to be kind of weird.
0: I mean Well Carrie Carrie was always cool with him. Carrie was always cool with him. I what what happened was and I'll and I'll give you just a little backstory after um you know, after he agreed to, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll try this wrestling thing. Right before they sent him to Portland, you know, he'd come down there for a couple weeks. He'd train with some of the guys. You know, um, they put him under a mask. Uh, I think twice. He wrestled Jake the Snake twice under a mask. Um, he doesn't remember what they called him. Nobody nobody could remember what they called him, <laughs> but it was like a, a purple mask or something. So Mr. X. Yeah, Mr. maybe X. <laughs> something like that, right? And uh so um they um would bring him down to the sportatorium and he would uh you know get in the ring with uh Buddy Roberts or um, maybe Iceman Brian Adidas. And on those days, uh, every once in a while, Kevin and Kerry would come down there. And he kind of expected that maybe they were because they weren't there very long. And it was like on the day that they got paid. So he just expected that or assumed that they were getting their paycheck. But Kerry and Kevin would come in to the arena floor the Sportatorium Carrie would come to the ring and say, hey, man, you're doing good. Keep up the good work. You know, that's how you do it, buddy. And Kevin was a little more standoff than that, you know. So Kevin never really accepted him in that role. Now, if you see him on TV, oh, my gosh. I mean, they they play the role very well, but it wasn't. That harmonious in in real life.
1: He, if I remember right, he played the cousin. Right, it was a cousin. Yes, not not a brother, but it was a cousin. Right, right, right. right. He
0: he was the cousin of the <laughs> brother of Fritz. Uh, Waldo.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. The
0: the quote, the
1: air quotes are really <laughs> right. funny so, here tonight. So Fritz
2: had Waldo, and Waldo had Lance, and then everyone's cousin.
0: Right, right. Well, you know, everybody gives Lance a hard time because you know he's the he's he's the fake Von Eric. Nobody calls Waldo the fake Von Eric.
1: Yeah, nobody goes out against Waldo. <laughs> what the hell? I give Lance all the crap. <laughs> and, and did the crowds accept Lance? The crowds, if I remember right, watching documentaries, I've watched a couple of doc. I watched the WWE documentary, and I've also watched a unauthorized documentary. Did the crowds accept Lance Von Eric as Avon Eric, or did they, they did?
0: They- no, they did. They did. I don't. You know. I think maybe in the back of their minds, they, you know, they they might have had this thought that mm, is he really? But the Von Eris could go back then. They could tell you that the sky was purple and people would buy it.
1: You know, right, right. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Von Erichs could probably do no wrong in Dallas at that time. So right, right.
0: Why? And 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 let me tell you, I I lived there, and I and I was following wrestling then, and, and people were. All over that young man, you know, I mean, they, you know, they said he was a Von Eric and we support him like he was Von Eric, you know?
1: Right. All right, Maestro, take it over. Take it over for a couple of questions.
2: All right. No problem at all. So Vinny, I gotta ask you, you know, where did this whole passion for wrestling begin? Was it beyond like how far deep in your family did professional wrestling fandom go it started with me it started with you (laughs) yeah yeah well that how's that when now that kind of leads into my next question where so you it started with you so when you started writing for wrestling magazines and you had you started your own website and you became more involved in the industry how did you know those in your family react. What are they like? Wait, you're involved with wrestling.
0: Well, you know, a, a lot of my family they they know you know they know that that I write you know and uh, they knew they knew that I like wrestling. So it wasn't really a stretch for them. You know, you know the joke is you know when. People say, Hey, did you know Vinny wrote a book? And and someone will say, No, I, I didn't know. What what did you write? I said, Well, you know, somebody's gotta write about the the real important stuff of this world, you know. And then I tell them it, I write about pro wrestling. And if, of course they get a, a kick out of it, right? But oh yeah. It's 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 good stuff. And and you know what? If you follow wrestling, you like wrestling, you know what wrestling is. You know, it's it's easy to get wrapped up in, in wrestling, as you guys know.
2: Yes, it, a- it absolutely is. And w- so what happened, we're going to fast forward a little bit, you yeah. know, back on WCCW. Uh, what started to happen to Lance Von Eric when WCCW started to kind of fade away? You know, because the death of the real life deaths of, some of the Von Erich brothers like David, Mike, um, Carrie, and even Chris, you know, along with Fritz's health issues, along with the rise of the WWF really started to bring on the end of WCCW, unfortunately. Sure. Uh, Well,
0: yeah. And I, and I think, I think you brought up a very good, a very good point. I think, you know, again, I, I kind of withdrew from wrestling in the Dallas, the, the world-class wrestling after Mike's death, I, I started kind of d- to lose interest. I lived about 10 miles from the Von Erics. Okay. So, oh, wow, you know, having a Von Eric sighting, yeah, we didn't have them every day, mind you, but you know, to see Kevin pumping gas or someone eating breakfast or someone at the beer store or something like that. I mean, it was, it, it happened, you know, and so uh if it wasn't by us, it was our friends, right? Because I mean they yeah. live so close. So we we were connected to the Von Erich family. I mean it was like, you know, they were ours, you know. And so when when David died and then uh, Mike died and you know, it was like it was like we knew him. I mean heck when 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 I found out David died in Japan, I cried, you know. And I didn't know these these people personally, but I had this emotional connection to them, right? So right. It, it was, you know, yeah, I think. But a lot of people did that. A lot of people kind of withdrew from from the wrestling about the same time I did. Those
1: those funerals. Uh, I mean, you see the you see footage on on documentaries that. Those funerals, the the streets were lined with people. Just watch the the uh, hearse go by of of Mike and right. you know or and Dave coming back from Japan. So I mean, those were big. Those were big events down in Texas. If, oh, if absolutely. I'm not...
2: So that and that also, you know, you bring and and I'm glad Chris brought this up about big events and Vinny, I'm glad you mentioned how such a close for a big city. It was still such a close knit family you know with you living just 10 miles from the von eric so seeing them wasn't anything out of the ordinary so you flash forward to win after david's death um at i believe Veterans stadium was where um they had the match where Kerry von eric defeated rick flair to win the nwa world title um my question for you is we we know what the crowd was like you know the crowd was absolutely electric when Kerry won that match. But just for, how did it feel, given the circumstances following, like David's death, but knowing that there's a Von Erick now on top of basically what was considered the wrestling world? I mean, he's holding the NWA
0: world title. Well, I was there that day, and it was it was awesome. I mean, it would. It was almost one of those. Um, it, it almost felt like it, it. It wasn't true, you know how because back then, you know they they give the belt to Kevin or they give the belt to Kerry, and you thought they won it, and then they come back and say, "Oh no, because Ric Flair hit the referee or whatever," you know, they'd <laughs> yeah, do the old switcheroo and. And and I mean that day at Texas Stadium, it was like, Oh my gosh, you know, are they gonna do the old switch room? You know, it was kind of like I, you know, I remember my sister was there and she was excited with me and I was like, Well give it a give it a couple more minutes. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's not celebrate too soon, you know. Just hold on was,
1: was 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 David the true heir apparent to the NWA title to, to to drop it to Flair was that was that the plan all along and then and then all of a sudden That Kerry just you know with with his with with David's untimely death did, was Kerry just the right place right time
0: well the, the 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 talk was that that uh David was they were going to put the title on David that that was what was planning to happen he um david was phenomenal i mean i i, I just can't i i i was watching uh recently a uh, a match there's a match from 1977 it was on the uh, was on the old uh network i don't know if you can find it on the new one i don't know how to search for matches on the on the peacock version but
1: Brian. neither here
0: nor there but there's a match, if you can find it on YouTube, Harley Race and David Von Erich in 1977. And it was the year that he debuted. He made his debut. Let me tell you something. It is phenomenal. It's phenomenal to see what? him wrestle. And so the reason why they put the belt on Kerry, guys, was because David died. Because David died. Was David They didn't the- let him
2: hold it. They didn't let him. And I'm sorry to cut you off, Chris, because if I remember correctly... Carry did not have the belt long. He might've only had it for like a week or nine days or something. Um, but they want the NWA at least, and I think he lost it back to flair, but he at least um, they wanted to have that moment where at Texas stadium, you know, it, it was basically, you know, the match everybody thought would happen with David, but didn't. And, you know, you've already described to us. And I think that's just so amazing that you were actually there. For what is considered one of the pinnacle moments of wrestling history.
0: Yeah, and it was hot that day too. It was like, 100, <laughs> well, it was like 114 degrees in there, man. That's Texas. What it's te- te- it's Texas.
1: I was gonna say it's Texas. What do, you, what do you expect? Was David was David
0: the best wrestler of the Von Erich clan? I, I I think he was. I mean, they were all good. I mean, I, Mike Mike didn't want to be a wrestler. So his, his heart wasn't in it. Okay. But the other guys, they were good. They, you know, one was a high flyer. Kevin was the high flyer. Carrie had the body and the strength. Right. But, but David had the, you know, I was told that he had the mind for the business and, you know, uh, you know, he had the, I don't know. He just had the pretty much, uh, the technical side down and, and the business side down that he was like, he, he had a little more uh, wrestling smarts. You he, know He, he
1: understood, he, he understood both sides where like he could put, he could put together a story. Right. But also understood the business side that, Hey, you know, sometimes you gotta, sometimes you can't always win, and,
0: but, but you can still do good business. Right. And going back to the, the NWA title, you know, Gary had, had that belt for about 19 days and in the book, and it talks about, that uh the reason why they took the belt off him was because he had shown up at some matches that they didn't think he was all there
1: Ooh. he his demons his demons were coming out basically yeah
0: like maybe he wasn't as as alert as he needed to be right or yeah, as there's they, an interesting they felt that he needed that he needed to be
1: I mean that 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 era of WCW WC, wrestling was uh, was terrible, and you can even go back to not even just the Von Erics. You can go back to uh, um, oh god, the name is is escaping me. Um, uh,
0: what well, Gino Hernandez? Gino Hernandez. That's,
1: Gino that, Hernandez. Yes, Gino Hernandez. I mean, all, all of that 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 was a terrible time in WCCW.
0: Well, he's got a chapter in this book. Lance was there, and so this book and I and I and I'd like to kind of just kind of break this book down it, it basically has like three sections right mm-hmm. you know it starts off in Dallas but then it goes into uh, Portland and it stays up there it goes to Portland and his time coming back what's interesting is that in Portland he met Steve Simpson right well Steve Simpson had family in Dallas and told him hey I want to get to Dallas. If you can help me get to Dallas. So, when Lance was down here, he had told the um, David Manning and Fritz about Steve Simpson. And he said, hey, look, have him send some tapes and some pictures. You guys remember Steve Simpson, right? Steve, and Sean, right?
1: Steve, Steve and Sean Simpson. He had, he had a brother, yeah, too. Steven,
0: yeah, uh, Steve came first. And, uh, and then, uh, well, the interesting thing is, Steve is from South Africa. And and Lance met Sammy Cohen uh the dad uh that was his wrestling name. He met him up in Portland and he said to him and this is even before Lance comes to Dallas. You know, Lance was up there for several months and didn't even, yeah, at times, didn't even know if he was still coming to Dallas, you know. They wanted right. him to get his wrestling legs under him. Well, Sammy Cohen, Steve Simpson's dad, says, hey, look, if you ever want to go to South Africa, you could always wrestle for me. Well, in Dallas, when Lance, now you got to understand Lance, Lance is an adventurist. You know, he he'll go anywhere where the wind blows because he just <laughs> wants to, you know, he just likes something new, right? And uh, when um, when things were kind of going down, you know, he, he, Lance saw the writing on the wall in world class. He was wrestling two times a night. He was nursing at the end. He was nursing a, a shoulder injury because uh, Nord the Barbarian kind of uh, landed him wrong on his shoulder. And so he took some time off to heal his shoulder, but he didn't tell him. So they basically thought he went AWOL. Well, in the meantime, he's he's going down, scoping out South Africa. And he ends up staying down there in South Africa. And, and that was one of the reasons why we called the book Lance by Chance. Because had he not been on the golf course, <coughs> David Manning would have never discovered him. He never would have been wrestling. Had he not gone to Portland and met Steve Simpson, he would have never gone to South Africa. So the three parts in this book are Portland, Dallas, and South Africa. And when you get to the South African part of this book, it's pretty amazing because the wrestling is different down there. And he started some businesses down there. And uh, one thing about Lance is he no holds barred, man. This guy talks about smuggling guns and smuggling auto parts in, in third world countries over there and yeah. And has no bones about it. and he he talks about how the uh, how the uh, what do you call the uh, Scotland Yard
1: mm-hmm.
0: was, they're, they're uh, was knocking on, on his door, yeah, absolutely. they're like. Scott
1: <laughs> so we we would be remiss to uh, you have a new book that just I, that, I believe I, it just came out or or is coming out one of the two I'm well, sure you have Wrestle Wrestleville the Pro Wrestling Vault Volume One
0: that is correct now this came out actually it came out at, at the at the beginning of this year what's good though is Volume Two is real close to being printed.
1: I, mean, I guess I'm gonna to have to break into the wallet and buy some of these books. I one I want to read the <laughs> yeah, no I want to read the Lance book. Okay, but, uh, I also want to read the the Russellville book because the description that I see says yeah. it is a book that celebrates professional wrestling. 35 short stories of veterans and stars on the rise from the NWA. So, uh, so how and about, and independent scene too, Chris. Right, well, obviously, yeah. Yes, yes. So why don't you uh, take us into what made what was your motivation to write this book and what, what do you want people to get out of the
0: book? Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm really proud of this book. And for, for many reasons, Um, you know, it's, um, I mean, it, it started as an idea, right. And these were stories that I was writing for my website. And when it came time to, um, I started working on another project. Uh, my friend was like, look, um, you have all these stories, you've written all these stories. And, uh, my, my website had gone through some changes. And so he was like, look, you should package these, these stories, you know? And, uh, (coughs) because the guys I kind of run around with their, their mindset is, you know, if you don't if you don't capture this history, if you don't capture these stories, you know, these stories are going to go away when these wrestlers pass away. That that's the mindset of the writing friends that I so, you know, they they encouraged me to document these stories. And what's this book is really I started writing it right before the um Billy Corgan takeover. Right. So the, the transition, uh, you know, there's uh, Tim storm has a couple stories in here, Barrett Brown before he wins the NWA junior heavyweight title. Um, And then what's really neat about this is, is I interview Eric Andrews who at the time had the NWA uh, junior heavyweight title. And then he lost it to Mr. USA. I interviewed him. And then Mr. USA loses the belt to Barrett Brown. And then I interviewed him after he won the, the belt. So it chronicles that time. Um, I have uh, Mike Rapata. He was an NWA champion, uh, early 2000s. Uh, he's in this book. Um, I've got uh, Tim Storm. Uh, Harley Race has a story in this book. And so there's uh what I think um I can't remember. I think it's like uh three three NWA uh world heavyweight champions, and then uh you know three NWA junior heavyweight champions. Um also two uh Sean Hernandez is in this book, CW Anderson is in this book, Greg Anthony, Sermo, Bruce Thorpe has a has an interview in here. James Beard, Bill Dundee, Tracy Smothers, you know, Chase Owens, Ricky Morton. So there's a variety of guys. And, and, uh, my friend from, uh, New Orleans, he's a, uh, photographer on the Gulf Coast and, uh, a wrestling photographer. And he had all these pictures and he said, look, if you can use any of these pictures, put them in the book because, um, I'm not going to put them in a book. I'm not going to anything. So I put. Might, might as well get some use. Yeah. So there's a section in here. It's got about 400, 400 pictures, right? And I have a, a, a picture section in the back. And I was formatting this book right when Daphne passed away. And uh, oh,
1: that was tragic. an emotional time, tragic, right? Tragic.
0: And so. Awful. On the last page of the book, I put a, a remembrance to her, you know, um, and and that makes the book special too for me. Um, and also too, every one of these books comes signed by one of the wrestlers in the book. This one's signed by Mister USA, but I have uh, Tim Storm, I have Bobby Fulton, um, C.W. Anderson, Greg Anthony. Uh, Damian Wayne, I have his autograph. Um, Sean Hernandez, Chaz Taylor, James Beard. So there's, there's, you know, you can, it's a, another treat. And, and it, so this so is. You,
1: so if you order the book, you don't really know who you're going to get the autograph from. Absolutely. You're right. Yeah. It's a surprise. And see, that's
2: something that's really, you don't hear much of that these days. So that's something that's really, uh, enticing for. Us, like for Chris and I, let alone, <laughs> um, audience, like the wrestling fans out there who want to get their hands on the book.
1: So so talk a little bit about your, your website, WrestleVille.com. That, uh, is, is it your site? You, it's your site that you run. I know there's podcasts that go on on there. So
0: uh, how did that start? Okay. So I started, you know, when I wanted to, when I told you I was transitioning from the MMA to writing about wrestling, I started Russellville.com. And I was just, I was just writing. I was just writing, writing these stories and these stories here. So I was doing, I was doing that. And then I I started writing the Lance book. And then when I was writing the Lance book, I couldn't write stories for the, the website, you know? And, and then I started working on this book and then I started <laughs> working on volume two and I've got another book in the projects. And and I was like, look, if I'm going to write, I need to write these books because they, they're not going to get done if I don't, right? So I started doing the podcast because, you know, someone said, look, you can put commercials in your podcast. So I put commercials for my books in my podcast, right? But I started, I, I've, I got like Thunder Roses on there. I got Jimmy Rave before he passed away. Um, I have, uh, Silas Young on there. I have CW Anderson on there. Um, I've got some coming up. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who Rocky Reynolds is, but I just posted a part two of Rocky Reynolds. He's four-time NWA junior heavyweight champion. That dude is the real deal. And he, um, talks about, how he got started in wrestling in part one. And then the tragedy that ultimately had him walk out of wrestling. You know, I have that in there. Terry Morton's on the podcast. Um, I I have right now. I have about 60 something podcasts on there. All my podcasts run about 30 minutes. They don't run. They don't run super long. I think the longest one is maybe about an hour. But I think that's only one, but most of them anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes tops, but 40 minutes for me is kind of long. Um, I have a hard time listening to a long podcast. I've got several long podcasts that I just, I don't finish and I don't know if it's because of my schedule or my attention span or what, but you know, for me, 20, 20, 30 minutes is good, you know, and, uh, I get a lot of really good response from the, the. The podcast, the interviews, a lot of people like them because they're they're conversations, you know. And I I don't go in there with anything written down. I just uh, I've been in news for about twenty years. I've worked in media in PR for you know the times I'm not working in news, right? So yeah. right. <laughs> so I mean, this is kind of you know it's just kind of my my thing, you know, and just have a conversation. I, I you know I. Talk to them in the beginning and just say, hey, you know, we're going to talk about this, probably talk about this and probably talk about this. And they may say, like the other night, somebody said, don't talk about my brother. I said, "Okay, we won't talk about your brother and we'll just start it and we'll go and we just go where the conversation goes.
1: I see you recently had a conversation with Soraya Knight, which is a if you're if you're not familiar with it, that's page that's pages from the WWE's. Mother, if I'm not mistaken, yes, yes, and I'm, I'm sure that was I'm sure that was a that was a great insightful interview because that's a wrestling family right there. Oh, I mean, man, Paige, Paige started when she was like 16, 15, 16, So I mean,
0: yeah. Well, there's there's two on there. There's one on there with Ricky and Saraya. Ricky Knight's their dad, mm-hmm. and uh, so I interviewed her parents, both of them together, and they it was such an interesting conversation because we had talked about what was going on in covid and how they um work with other uh, promotions it, you know it's it's not really like a competition you know they kind of like um it's kind of like a community out there and uh they're in nor norwich uh, england and right. so they uh they talk about how um, they were talking about how they they teach first aid and they got the government involved. And, um, I mean, it's just how they're trying to better wrestling. It, it was just really amazing, amazing story. And she also talked about how her son, Zach, you know, uh, he taught how he uh, taught a a blind kid, how to wrestle, you know? Oh, wow. And he, and he actually even did a, you know, a move off the ropes, you know, (laughs) they, you know, it it was an incredible story. And, and when they got done, they thanked me. They're like, Hey, that's not your, your normal wrestling conversation. You know, Um, I just let that conversation go wherever, wherever it was going to go. Right. It it was, it was awesome. The one with her mom uh, was something I was going to, put on the website and it was just a little Q and a and it was such a good conversation that I just, I just put the audio on there as well. And that's going to, that, that Q and a is going to be in volume two. I, I bet you, uh, it, it'd be really, it'd
1: kind of be really cool to get her page page and her mom on there at the same time. Oh, absolutely, you know? That's uh, an interview. Uh, for yeah, the ages. So, yeah. I mean, and, and the UK wrestling community, they think, they compete with each other, but they also help each other. I, that's that, I, that I have heard very much, very much so from, from everything. So, so Vinny, I mean, your, your book, you got two great books out there. Um, and we thank you for coming on. But we got a question. We're getting near the end of the. Sh- We're getting near the end of the show. But we we do this every every week. We do this Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. So I want to know if you're up for a little bit of trivia with the one and only Maestro Jeremy Carp as your opponent.
2: Oh, this is going to go well. Oh boy. Uh,
0: what, 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 what do you say? I'll I'll, I'll give it a go. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's time for
1: I I gotta find the there it is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the uh, weekly Wrestle Talk podcast game show challenge. It is going to be best two out of three falls. It's going to be the one and only our co-host, the Maestro Jeremy Carb, is going to take on our special guest Vinnie Barry. So, gentlemen, are you guys ready? What I'm, gonna means I'm, gonna uh, all right. I'm going to be. I am going. I am going to give you a. Uh, a topic and I'm going to have three questions for you and the winner will walk out of here as champion tonight in in honor of the wrestle talk podcast challenge category by the book, I will give you three professional wrestler wrestling personalities that have written books. When you think, you know, the wrestler, please shout out your answer. The first person to two falls wins tonight's game. So uh, Jeremy, do you understand the rules?
2: Uh, yes sir
1: and as best as i can do uh vinny do you understand the rules
0: i'm ready to rumble
1: all right let's get things started question one this wwe hall of famer has written such books as titan and brown scooter countdown to lockdown the hardcore diary oh 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 that's a close one but i'm gonna have to give it to our guest vinnie berry he's started, he started mick first
0: i mean I, I i'm sorry i'm sorry thank you chris i think that's fair
1: this is a screw job i'm I, telling yeah. you i really just want a couple of books no anyway anyway uh so we're up one one to has Vin, got one jeremy's got zero question two this professional wrestler has won the world heavyweight championship in WWE and AEW. He has written books as undisputed the best in the world. Camp. No. At what, what? no. At what I have no idea. No is a four letter word. A lion's tail. Daniel Na- Bryan.
2: Brian Brian Danielson.
1: No. What? A lion's tail. A lion's tail. Oh, Chris Jericho. Yes, 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 yes. That's that's correct. I'm sorry I had to emphasize that for you, but come on. The, Lion, the Lionheart Chris Jericho. You know so. what?
2: I should have already had a second one. We're, uh,
1: we're, we're, go ahead. No, you didn't. Anyway, quest, this is why the snitch doesn't like me. Anyway, question three. Yeah, I think that's the truth. <laughs> this two – This okay, this is the deciding fall, so winner takes all here. This two-time WWE Hall of Famer. Has written such books as Wrestling for My Life, The Life, Reality, and Faith of a WWE Superstar, and Heartbreak and Triumph. Shawn Michaels. Oh God, I hate to do this, man. I just, I, 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 I hate to do this. But Jeremy Carp is the win. The yeah! maestro is the winner.
2: You know, I'm just going to say, uh, and this is dead honest, I've probably won this thing like maybe twice. So uh, my <laughs> yeah. win percentage is very low, so I'm embracing every moment of <laughs> the, the, this.
1: The hosts don't do very good in this podcast. No, I, many, so.
2: I, I, I think the only two times I've won this is this one and when I swept Herb. But other than that, oh, I, you probably won a, I probably won a couple other times, but you know what? It's still so few and far in between.
1: All right, Vinny. Vinny, one last time, thank you for very much for thank you very much for coming on to the Russell Talk podcast to talk about your books. Where if someone is interested to buy your books, where can they buy them at? Give give us all your information so we can uh so we can get you your up. social. Don't give us that.
0: Right. You can get um, I I have autographed Lance books too. So, if you want an autographed book by Lance, Lance himself, uh, go to russellville.com. The books are on russellville.com you can get both the books there um i also have the books on amazon if you want to sign copy by lance you can't get it at amazon though however if you go to russellville.com you can get both the books i just got t-shirts in they're not on my website if you can see that oh nice. ooh, that's, those are
2: those are nice t-shirts and too. i'm
0: their bargain deal 15 plus shipping comes out to about 20 bucks. If you want a shirt, I have a limited DM me at Vincent Berry on Facebook. And I can hook you up with a with a shirt. You can pay through Cash App or PayPal. Just message me. We'll work out the details. But the books are at uh Russellville.com. And uh, please check out my podcast. I got podcasts up there. I, I try to put up um, try to do two two a week if I can. Uh, But usually there's, you know, one to two a week just depends on, you know, the ebb and flow.
1: The the ebb and flow of what is the world of uh, life right now. Right. Because, you know, we're all we're all busy. We all do things. And sometimes sometimes we uh, try to exceed what we're capable of. So but I mean, Vinny. I have so much appreciate you for coming on talking about the book, your past book and your new book, Russellville yeah. volume one, and then you got Russellville volume two come out here probably pretty shortly. So it's going to be, it's
0: you're, you're a busy man. Yeah. I'm, and I'm already writing my fourth book. The third book is, is real close into printing, but I'm real excited about the fourth book. I'm, I, I, I'm still kind of keeping it close to my vest only because, um, I want to, I want to dig into it a little more before, <laughs> you know, here, here's the one thing I, 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 learned about, uh, book writing. A lot of, a lot of people just don't finish them, you know? And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, it was, it's been a, it's been a learning lesson for me, but, uh, it, it that one's getting finished. Matter of fact, I've, I've, I've did about 35 Hours of interview on it and research. Well, I'm constantly doing research on it still, but um, yeah, I've already started writing it. So it, it's going to happen. It'll probably, um, I should finish it r- writing by next summer for sure. Awesome. Wow. Awesome. Well, we hope that you,
1: we hope that when you get that written and when Wrestleville two comes out, that maybe you come back on, you can, we can promote the books for you and uh, and get you, get you some sales and just, Hope, hope everything goes well for you. Vincent, you. Vinny, we appreciate you for coming on, as always. Thank you once again for being a member Thank of the Rust so Podcast much. family. And we will talk to you soon. Thank a you. Wonderful night,
0: Vinny. All right, you too. And Volume 2 is going to be bigger and better than Volume 1. I love
1: I believe it. I'm going to have to go spend some money this weekend when I get paid. So, <laughs> All right, man. Thanks,
0: Vinny. Thank you. Good night, guys. Thanks. Right. Have a night, wonderful
2: guys. night. Ooh. carp. Are you tired yet? Oh, absolutely. It's been a busy day from top, from start to finish, but let me tell you what a guy Benny is.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, Wrestling. two, two great, two great books, two great books. He's got a third on the way. And two then a fourth, books. fourth in the pocket. So. And he'll make a fourth
2: and you know, and you know, there's, it, it takes so long to write a book, Um. So he and he really pours his heart and soul into it and I'm really excited to read it read each volume you know read volume one and volume two am um, I'm, I'm
1: a nerd I'm a nerd of the game so I kind of really do want to read the lance Lance von Eric that
2: one especially yes yeah. um, so. I have to get the lance von Eric because I mean I, I'll spend time aimlessly just reading up on wrestling history so what better way than to get it straight from the source so well carp what do you think what do you think of tonight's show tonight's show i it was as great as I knew it was going to be and y- you did as great a job as I knew you would do so
1: i I appreciate it so I know that you like to uh talk about some things at the very end of the show and I even updated the uh the uh the the uh the, look at that Beautiful. i even updated that lane. for i mean and i hope i hope i when i hope i got it right because I, you I, did okay so yeah. i i know you i know you like to send us off in style so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna pop off and i'm gonna let you send us home in style tonight so uh car take it home
2: all righty Well, folks, first off, I want to give a special shout-out to uh, Big Sexy Chris Rodell, the voice of Dynamo Pro Wrestling, for the amazing job he has done tonight, Uh, stepping in both behind the scenes and doing his amazing work in front of the camera. So, big shout-out there. But yes, as you can tell at the bottom is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. used to be a long phone number, but now, thankfully, they've dialed it down to 988 It is available 24-7, 365 days a year, 366 on a leap year. And we put this after every show. We've done this since uh, Daphne tragically uh, took her life last year. Um, And I just want you all to know, I put it up here because I want you all to know that you're never alone. There is always somebody out there that loves you, that cares about you, that... You know, in this world, there's so many, it's troubling times all across the world. There's so many struggles you go through, but you never have to go through them alone. The proper resources are out there and you're always loved. I love you. And I know Chris does. And thank you all so much for tuning in this evening. And thanks to Vinnie Barry for being such an amazing guest. We look forward to whoever's going to be our on the host next week on the Wrestle Talk podcast. You know this amazing team. The show's going to be just as great as it always is. And so on behalf of Big Sexy Chris Rodell, I'm the maestro Jeremy Karp. Have a wonderful night, and remember, life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. Make your lives worth reading. Good night, everybody.